In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even... Even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Dumerman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit in the news, brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Which is us. Kaylin, it's both of our birthday months. It is. Oh my gosh. So, so exciting. exciting. Is the 26th, yours is 26th, right? I, it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's, are you, st- does that still make you a Leo? No, that no. makes me yeah. a Virgo. Yeah. Is, is that disappointing? Virgo energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have any Leo energy at all. It really doesn't fit. I don't think. <laughs> I, I, I would be shocked. I mean, you've got the, the the pride. You've got the... Yeah, yeah. I definitely have that. I definitely have that. <laughs> on that note, I actually on Friday had mentioned like feeling a little bummed out from, you know, when you're on the internet, you get a lot of feedback. Some of it is good and instructive and important, even when it's unkind, but some of it is just unkind. Yeah. Uh, and I said that on the podcast, and in response, a lot of listeners sent me really, really, really nice messages. So thanks, everyone that sent them. They really did make a difference, and they were so like lovely to read and far outweighed uh, the negative ones. Well, that is so sweet. Happy birthday, Mom. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> You're too. All right, let's hop into it. Yeah. So last night was um, a primary night. Primaries don't typically go into August, do they? I kind of feel like I'm being blindsided by by the the August elections. Like yeah. When did this happen? When did we? Feels like there's not very much time left until November. We're under a hundred days, so right. that doesn't give you a lot of general election time. Although maybe this is for the best as far as uh, general elections go. Yeah, that's true. So last night, Cori Bush, who is a progressive activist, and she's a veteran of the racial justice protest movement of Black Lives Matter, she defeated 20-year incumbent Missouri Rep. William Lacey Clay in a uh, in the Democratic primary. Uh, I actually didn't know that she was actually Justice Democrats' like first candidate that they launched um, along in 2018, along with some others. Uh, she did not defeat Lacey Clay that year, but sure did last night. Um, and he is a 20-year incumbent, and uh, his dad held the seat, too. Uh, somebody with that last name has held the seat since 1969. Um, and his Literally dad 50 years. Yeah, 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 crazy. Um, and he was his dad was one of the founders of the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, so really big, big night. I think the district is, um, is St. Louis, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What do, you, what do we make of this? Oh man! Well, first, I would like to give some credit to to uh, Corey Bush and the entire team. Taking out a twenty year incumbent is incredibly difficult. Um, you know, name recognition, everything. I think it really helped that she'd run before, which allowed her to have like a pretty strong base in the community. Um, 
Justice Dems has been making more waves. Uh, they initially started, again, in the wake of uh, the 2016 elections. They started in 2018, and many of their candidates did not succeed. So it's kind of interesting to see them do well uh, this cycle um, with some more notable wins. Um, and I think that it, it just shows that you can't lose touch with your constituents. You know, um, a lot of the victories that have been done um, ousting longtime incumbents have been because they're out of step with their communities. Their communities are browner or have different priorities than they do. So Elliot Engel, um, and of course, we know that uh, AOC last cycle ousted um, uh, Joe Crowley, um, and an understanding that like there's a mismatch between the representative and the community. But I think it also has a lot to do with um, with just the Reagan generation passing. You know, there's a whole generation of Democrats whose coming of age was the thorough curb stomping of Ronald Reagan. Uh, of basically Jimmy Carter and then Walter Mondale. Uh, if you, uh, I guess you have to think about it as like, remember how we all felt uh, election night 2016, where like our souls felt like they were being pulled out of our bodies um, against our will? Well, that was kind of like watching Mondale lose 49 states. Yeah. <laughs> and realizing that like your whole concept of like what the country wanted and who was important and that, you know, racism and, and sexism and these, I mean, at that point, the AIDS crisis was ongoing and he had let it continue. I mean, we can talk about the, the level of malevolence that the Reagan administration had towards marginalized groups that today would be completely unbelievable. And that was verified basically by the vast majority of the country. And those Democrats had like a certain amount of PTSD looking mm -hmm. at the country and seeing that that was their choice and went far moderate to kind of react to that in order to survive politically. And now, you know, people want people who are going to fight. It, I think that was the thing that, I, I mean, I have lots of reasons why I don't like Bernie Sanders and mm -hmm. uh, lots and lots of reasons. But what I've <laughs> always liked about him is that he's unapologetically fighting for liberal causes. You know, he doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, maybe this. He's just like, this shit is good and we should do it. And right. while I disagree with him on many other things. The fact that he came out as a fighter and people really appreciate that someone was saying, hey, we don't need to, to equivocate on our support for vulnerable people. I think that's what you see with Cori Bush. I think that's what you see with AOC. I think that's what you see with Jamal Bowman. You're getting a group of people who are like, we no longer accept, we don't remember Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them were even born when Ronald Reagan was president. Well, how right. many I know. of them were alive when Ronald Reagan was president? Yeah. I was born last year of the Reagan presidency. <laughs> yeah. So we don't remember that world. And we're not willing to accept being confined by it. And I think that's what you're largely seeing is a healthy passing of the torch here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these things are framed. It's like, oh, a 30-year incumbent, a 20-year incumbent. It's like, that's a normal amount of time to have a job. And then you should probably move on. 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Also in Kansas, um, there were a lot of eyes on the Kansas primary. A guy named Rep. Roger Marshall won it. Um, there was some concern and maybe excitement that the former Kansas Secretary of State, Chris Kobach, uh, who's an asshole, just like universally understood to be an asshole, uh, he crusades against legal immigration or Im- illegal immigration, um, terrible for undocumented communities, and has like peddled theories about voting fraud. So even Republicans in the state don't like him to the degree that they thought that if he won the seat, that uh, it could be potentially uh, up for grabs for Democrats, and Democrats haven't haven't had a Senate seat in Kansas since 1932. That's also why they were, I know, <laughs> that's also why they were trying to get uh, Mike Pompeo to run. And he was like, nah, I'm good. Uh, Kansas is also where we were seeing all those pictures of them just having like blatantly defying social distancing and, and uh, yeah. having huge fundraisers. But Kobach lost. Um, so it looks like that safe that seat might be safe. We'll do an episode uh, when it gets closer just about all the, all the Senate seats. I want to hear your view on uh, some of the people running. Um, and it also looks like Joe Arpaio lost his primary in Arizona, but by a disturbingly thin margin, like they haven't even called it yet. Yeah. This is the guy who's honestly just go read his Wikipedia page. It's yeah. wild. Uh, he's a criminal. He should be in prison. He's also 88 years old. He's an 88 year old 
serial Racist. criminal. And, and he was the only reason he's out is because Donald Trump pardoned him. So yes. you should be aware of that. Like in theory, he would have died in prison for the amount of uh, unconstitutional tortures he instituted on uh, Latino prisoners in his county. Just want to be clear that he he actually perpetrated what would be under the United States military code and Geneva conventions as torture. Um against like just people who are being held there they weren't even uh convicted of crimes uh not that it makes it okay to right. torture people if they have been convicted of crimes am i right okay yeah <laughs> but um it, like you can't even come up with that justification he was just basically running a torture camp for brown people because right. they were brown it's it's the very definition of an american in every possible way if you believe in multiracial democracy is the foundation of america instead of White supremacy. Uh, yeah, under his, went over that right. argument right now. Under the rules he probably believes in, he probably shouldn't even be allowed to vote. Yet he tried to be a senator. Ugh, so hopefully he is. Again, they haven't called it, but he's eighty-eight years old. So I hope they do soon. Yeah, and I also think that uh, this is, you know, in the same way the Democrats are handing off. Um, I think it's really important to notice that, like Republicans are not. Yeah, <laughs> Republicans are more yeah. or less. Staying with the um, pro-Trump, a lot of people didn't didn't acknowledge, but like one of the things that was really disturbing to me was like Steve King got ousted by someone Trumpier than him. Yeah, you know, um, Chris Kobach lost to a Trump. Like they're they were both loyal to Trump. The only difference is that Kobach is like personally hated by everybody. Yeah. It wasn't, Trump, it wasn't yeah. like, people, people read it the wrong way, which is like, we got rid of, like, no, you did not. This is a Republican right. primary. You need to look at who's yeah. replacing them, and almost inevitably is someone who's even worse. Right, right. And so this was like, Trump declined yeah. not to endorse Kobach. I don't think he endorsed anybody in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible. If they were trying to get Mike Pompeo to run, that wouldn't explain, like, a lot. Um yeah. I think Republicans should be running scared, but they're not. That, that's what disturbs me. What disturbs me is the amount of loyalists who are winning primaries over right. incumbents inside the Republican Party, which is the kind of thing that like, you keep an eye on if you're like, hey, what if, like, do our Republicans afraid they're going to lose in the fall? And whatever, to whatever degree that they believe that they will, they're doubling down on the same strategy as before. Um, you right. gotta, we definitely got to mention, like, post office. We got to mention voting, uh, su voter suppression. We got to mention that there's a lot of former Republicans trying to perform, like, a little Jedi mind trick on Joe Biden to be like, where are the votes you need? Do not believe this. Activate more Democrats, okay? That's, yeah. that's my answer to all of this. Republicans are not safe. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's like they keep pulling this Trump card and I'm like, what do they know that I don't? Like, what polls are you looking at? But I guess it's just their last Hail Mary. Or maybe they're just really angry racist twat waffles. Yeah, also possible. <laughs> Nothing. They have, they have displayed no actions that suggest otherwise. Yeah. It's definitely a charitable uh, of you to assume it's strategic. Um. Not, not that it's bad, just like I would be impressed if they weren't. I, I think that that's the grievance inside the Republican Party is the the kind of beginning, middle, and end of the story of like how you end up allowing uh, Donald Trump to mispronounce 
Yosemite yeah. on national right. <laughs> television and just gently pretend that it doesn't happen and pretend that right. he doesn't happen like every day. Like Republican senators were like, remember when like literally like last week he was like, hey, maybe we'll postpone the election. And now like that has left our news cycle. I know. And yeah. more troublingly, Bill Barr said last week that maybe it's legal for the president to postpone an election. And that scares me more than him saying it. Exactly. <laughs> because nobody nobody blipped when Bill Barr, the chief law enforcement agent of the United States, was like, yeah, maybe elections don't happen. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Whatever the president wants. Right. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. It is yeah, what it exactly. is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, of course, today we have to touch on uh, yesterday an explosion in Lebanon's capital city. It killed at least 100 people and injured at least 4,000. Um, at least hundreds of thousands are feared to have lost their homes in the wake of the blast. Um, yeah, I don't think you can really uh, overstate the devastation. The cause is yet to be determined or announced. I think it's more helpful to support people there than speculate right now. But of course, the president has said with like bizarre certainty that it was definitely some sort of attack that is not... Nobody knows if that's what's happening. Uh, they are investigating right now. They do believe it was tied uh, to chemicals that were stored nearby. Uh, that they have to investigate that too, why that was allowed to happen for such a long time. The country, uh, there's never a good time for a massive explosion like this, but it's hard to imagine a worse one. There is mass unemployment in the wake of COVID-19 in Lebanon, and not even just amid the pandemic. The pandemic, it's like, it's like a turducken of terrible humanitarian crises. Yeah. It was already really bad. Uh, their economy is not doing great because of so much corruption and just like completely inept political leadership. There's a ton of inflation. 50% uh, of people that live there are under the poverty line. And at least we know here the poverty line isn't even always the best reflection of like whether you're able to survive and thrive and be safe. 35% uh, are unemployed. I mean, it seems like pretty, I mean, people are saying that there's not one building in the city <clears throat> that was not affected. And it's obviously a capital city where a lot of people live and work. Um, we've looked at some places you can help, and it looks like the Lebanese Cross is the best resource right now. Uh, we'll put that in, in the show notes. But yeah, just like an unbelievable amount of carnage and devastation. And, you know, I was like, as I was writing out all these stats, and we're about to get some stats for our own country, it was just like really a strange, I don't know, there are a lot of parallels in yeah. how unequipped we both are to handle crises. I think that um, especially when you talk about like human society maps out pretty, pretty basically across like everyone, you know, yeah. and you're going to have certain resources available and certain options available. But in the end, we're all just trying to to survive and figure out how to how to occasionally thrive yeah. in a world that's, that can be very hostile. Um, my thoughts are obviously with the Lebanese people um, who have been through an extraordinary amount of, of struggle and pain recently. Um, and, and it's really difficult for, you know, when, <laughs> you know, you say there's a lot of government corruption and mismanagement of the economy. Yeah. It's like, what were you... If if you don't understand what the goals of the government were, and if you don't understand that, like, the government in every country is the largest cache of money that is available. Like, yeah. governments require tons of money to function, tons of it. 
to basically do the things that we consider baseline. And if people are going in and taking that money for themselves and not letting the government do the things it's supposed to do, you're going to end up with big holes in the economy, big holes in the ability for people to survive and a kind of um, misstatement of what it really means to, to function. And like, that's where I am really when it comes to the United States, as you pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty brutal here right now because I know we spent the last three years being horribly mismanaged by a psychopath. So this country is definitely staring down mass homelessness and a hunger crisis. Um, Not that any of this is really as new as we would maybe want to think. But okay, so last month, the Census Bureau found that nearly 25 million people reported they had little to no confidence they'd be able to pay rent in the next month. In some areas of the country, as of this week, as many as 30% of people don't believe they'll be able to pay rent. Um, 30 million people say they don't have enough to eat, while 30 million people are still employed. And this is just happening while we know Congress is like not doing anything, or the Senate is not doing anything. Yeah. Um, the $600, weekly, $600 weekly benefits expired. I had somebody send us a really thoughtful message explaining how they actually sort of were no longer available to people for about a week before everybody was like, they're going to expire. Like a lot of people already had gotten their last payment. Um, and eviction moratoriums have expired in many states. In New York, it expires today. Oh my gosh. It's particularly brutal in New York. Um, and the so important thing for New Yorkers to know um, that which is that there are no uh, this is such a depressing thing to know um, mm-hmm. marshals cannot be cannot come to your door they cannot evict you um, if you are unfamiliar with the housing court and eviction process in New York you have lots of rights as a tenant um, it's really important to know that this process should by all rights even for non-payment take between you know, three to six months. Right. Um, and again, uh, while marshals uh, have basically eviction marshals, um, which is like a whole class of people who come in and literally change your locks and toss you out. Um, those, they cannot be, they're not being mobilized while um, COVID-19 uh, protocols are in place. So no one can actually be physically removed technically from their apartment. However, this is New York City. Landlords have been doing a lot of fun, exploitative things now for the last, oh, forever. Yeah. And that means that people are going to try to do things like shut down your water. Um, they've done it, stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There are ways um, to violate it. Shut down your electricity. Right. Um, you know, uh, create, say that you're, you're in, uh, living in a hazardous place, come up with fake reasons for you to leave, um, change, come in the middle of the night and change your locks. That's been done. That's super fun. Um, so in case of all of that, those are all illegal evictions and you have pretty strong protections against that. Um, Legal Aid is a great place to contact. Uh, CAMBA, C-A-M-B-A, is a great organization that also helps with legal protections. Um, and, you know, just keep, you know, Stay strong, because I know that it's a really hard uh, space to be in, to be housing insecure. And to get to the point, it just, it, housing insecurity undergirds all the other stresses in your life. If you don't have an address, you don't have an ability to apply to new jobs. If you don't have an address or you're between addresses, it's very hard 
to have a stable place to to know where you're going to eat to know i mean even if you have the money to eat it becomes right. a question of you know can you you know where are you going to showering that's right. a big one that people don't consider you know um just basic hygiene and safety especially during a pandemic is really hard to maintain so you know it does make a lot of difference and like it's we're entering a place where you know we treated housing as a commodity for a very long time um as a place to make money as a profit center in our economy and that decision is coming back to bite us in a time where housing has to be treated as an essential good and not as something that should be put to creating money first and foremost there are smaller landlords by the way in new york state and large landlords so if you are own more than five units and you don't live in your building, you're a large landlord. So, you know, let's not cry too yeah. much for a lot of people because they're going to be like, there are lots of small landlords. The percentage of small landowners in New York is like freakishly small. Right. You yeah. know, those people have a certain level of protection. Please worry less about them than the giant management companies all owned by hedge funds. Um, and Jared Kushner. Yeah. And Jared Kushner. Yeah. Let's, let's not, let's like, no, don't cry for them, Argentina, you know? Yeah. Um, because the the truth is that they're not you know hurting meaningfully, and that means that you know you have we have to all like prioritize the well being of people over you know the well being of a industry that rarely pours money back into its economy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, as you're as you thank you for outlining those resources because I feel like this is hap- going to happen to a lot of families maybe for the first time. Um, and they're not aware of the process or their rights, we'll definitely share those a little bit more. And I wonder if like we can make some sort of effort to like, like you said, like there are ways to violently force people out of their homes that don't include dragging them out. You can make their homes unlivable and unsafe. And that's also a way to get them out. And this has been happening forever and will continue to happen after this. So maybe people will be more aware of what people go through in that process moving forward. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult, and um, you know, I think that it's one of those things that like it takes up your whole mental space, mm-hmm. um, and so that means that a lot of ways you're not able to do. I mean, we're already all under stress in a pandemic. Many people have lost jobs, are struggling to find new ones, um. And, and to the degree that people are hiring, it's extremely hostile market. It's a very yeah. strong management <laughs> market mm-hmm. on, on labor right now, um, which means that you'll often settle for something that you probably wouldn't have if there were not a pandemic and we weren't all employed. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're going back, kids are going back to school in some way soon. So if you are home insecure, you obviously don't have great access to Wi-Fi. Things are not open yet. The yeah, if, if you get into the cascading effects, it's just completely illogical that we think it's a good idea in this society that not everybody is entitled to a home. Yeah, yeah. Um, the federal eviction moratorium that protects more than 12 million renters living in federally subsidized apartments right. or uni- units with federally backed mortgages expired last week, the July 25th. Um, so, you know, we're all in, we're in a new stage. And that's where, yeah. again, I think a lot about having um, elected, well, elected, <laughs> that's quote, that's me making air quotes, you guys, <laughs> um, having elected uh, a real estate magnet who couldn't 
make anything profitable. Um, And like what it means to see real estate as a profit center, um, you know, in the middle of a crisis, you know, he's more or less been wildly corrupt. And uh, it's kind of funny because when I was growing up, my my dad uh, taught me a lot about politics and he was like, there's a graft rule. And the graft rule is no more than 15% of your economy should be going to graft, mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, humans are going to graft. It's a thing. It's built into the system. 10% graft, you've got a pretty solid system. That's pretty good. 90% yeah. of the money is going where it should go. That's pretty impressive for human society. Yeah. Cool. 15% is the danger zone. After you go above 15% of any given money going to the wrong place, you, that's a destabilizing factor, you know? And I would say that the, the Trump administration is probably about 60% graft. Jesus Christ. Whether or not money gets to where it's supposed to. I wasn't to. expecting that. It's like 60% graft. Like, I think, like, I don't think, like, half the money gets where it's supposed to go. No, and Look no. at the $500 billion that we set aside for corporations. Right. Where did that money go? We still don't know. Is there an oversight committee? Nah, not really. It was all supposed to be settled in. It didn't go anywhere. And I think you I have know. to kind of ask yourself, like, <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> have yeah. money now. Why? And then we, you have states and cities. Five hundred bill. Oh, Why isn't no. it in our economy? <laughs> and then you have states and cities that are terrified to spend their money because they're like, we don't want to do it wrong. And then you come for us and take it away. Yeah, but I'm sure the companies have no problem. They've already yeah, they're not even funding uh, states and cities. That's how I know yeah. the graft is that bad. Right. Like the, the, the graft has to be above like some crazy percentage because, yeah. because states and cities are not getting funded. They're like, oh, we don't want to do it. It'd be too much money. It's like $21 billion to New York. That's, that's like a, that's Trump, that's having like yeah. what percentage of the 500 billion you just handed out to corporations. Yeah. That's, you could give every state that amount of money and it we would be like at a trip, like what is going on here? Yeah. I feel like that, that like, rotating thing in Union Square that what does it count like how much money we've spent on the war in Iraq it should be changed to percent graft (laughs) percent graft (laughs) managed by Caitlin Bird yeah Uh, okay until the return of democracy I'm Amanda Duberman I'm Caitlin Bird and this is the Betcha Sub Podcast the Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.